Here at the Rusted Nail Speakeasy, a little speakeasy outside of Brookville, Indiana for Cross the Line 1524. I'm here with Dwayne Bischoff, Jeff Montag, Ruben Hunts, and uh, we're having some cocktails. Dwayne, what you sipping on over there? I'm on my favorite, Evan Williams. Ooh, what you mixing with it? A little Coke. There you go. How about you, Jeff? Uh, Wilderness Trail bourbon and a little... uh Zero. So you notice Jeff got here first. He, he had to think about it a minute because he's. <laughs> I was looking around. Because that's not, a, that's not, not his around. first. Think about it. That's not his first. I, I saw here. that he was like. I was uh, here early. Wait a minute. So Ruben, what you sipping on over there? Uh, actually, I got some Buffalo Trace. Um, I was lucky enough to pick it up from uh, the Batesville Package Store with uh, uh, Terry Gardner. She hooked me up with it today. It's been a little uh, hard to get lately, so. Uh, Little shout out there to Batesville Package Store. Thank you. So, so you know they they it's the Tebby Group there. Yes. They own uh, the store here in Brookville as well, and the one in St. Lynn. So, yep. um, collectively, I think we uh, we uh, we support them. <laughs> we support well. them very well. <laughs> yeah. It used to be. I got to tell you, when I drank beer, I had three three uh, different flavors on tap here, and I'd call up there and. She'd answer. She'd give what flavor you need. <laughs> That's bad when the liquor store knows yeah, your phone number. Exactly, exactly. So, and I'm drinking some Yellowstone. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I got on Yellowstone because Jeff actually started me on it, and then I did research on the Limestone Branch Distillery and Yellowstone, and I'm liking it. It's a very smooth. It's a 93 proof, but it's a very smooth whiskey. And I haven't tried that yet. In fact, my wife, a big bourbon drinker as well, is a Maker's Mark fan, and she's hooked into a little Yellowstone as well. I have to give it a shot. So you know, we all stopped at the distillery last year or this past year. So, in fact, I, Dwayne and I tried to buy a barrel from them, an empty barrel. What well, so. again? We're buying one. We're on the list and waiting on the phone call. And an empty barrel. Yeah, okay. yeah, we're on 30, the list. Thirty gallon, I think it is. Maybe we yeah. someday could come up with a cross the line barrel. There we go. There you go. I think so. So, before we get started with our podcast, which is a very special podcast, we've got our errors and omissions. So, uh, we're going to talk about the podcast we did on. Um, we never make a mistake. Never, beef jerky and the maple syrup, and so. That means I must have made an error. <laughs> I was just going to say, wait a minute. Yeah. Who, was, who was the expert? Yeah, we, yeah. Were, we were just well, the, the samplers. Well, there's two people at fault here because somebody could have corrected me. You're right. I could have, and I did not catch it. So growing up, uh, we talked about uh, our beef jerky is going to be at the Gilman's <clears throat> Home Center store, but I didn't say that. I said Gilman's True Value. So growing up as a kid, that's or younger, not a kid, it was a True Value. That's Hasn't right. been True Value for twenty years. So uh, it is Gilman's do it best. So it's it's funny because uh, 
Curtis goes, hey, you uh, just, I appreciate the shout out, but you got that wrong. I said, well, you would have thought the other guy sitting across from me, the co-host, <laughs> might have said something. He goes, yeah, the one time, Ruben doesn't talk. <laughs> yeah, we won't tell anybody who I work for. <laughs> yeah. So a shout out to, to Gilman's Home Center. Uh, Sunday, they're getting a, a pretty large delivery for all their stores. Uh, the jerky's going to be in all 13 stores, 11 of them here, here in Indiana, and then two over in Ohio. So right. looking That's forward good. to that. So this really isn't um, an error or a mission. It's a fact. This has to do with uh, when we talked a couple weeks ago about local places, we talked about Schmidt's Bakery Mm -hmm. and their cherry fingerlings. So it is a kind of a a error. So I think I remember Ruben saying a number that was pretty astronomical. way out. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I knew when I stopped in there to get – a batch to take to work in Cincinnati that you were way off. Well, the lady had told me uh, this number, and I said that was way off. And I actually was there Tuesday, and I said, "What was your final number?" Yeah. So, so here's so when I knew it was way off, as I went in uh, on Friday after yeah. they started giving out, and then the number for last year was up. It was like one hundred and sixteen thousand. Right. You want to tell them what you said the number was going to be? I said the the lady and I were talking. They were shooting for a million. million. But I don't think it was right. Million. Million. And, uh, right, it's like, it's like I didn't know what the number was, so, so I was like, okay, yeah. That's so here's the final total. They uh, made 164,160 fingerlings. Uh, that equates to 13,680 dozen. So when I went in, they had the day before they'd ship 800 dozen out. Right. Holy uh, cow. So they ship, you know, people going to order online right. and they yeah. ship out. So. Yeah, it was pretty phenomenal. I picked up six dozen to take to work, and uh, and I, you know, it's funny. I stopped there Tuesday, and I said, you know, I was talking on the podcast, and the lady that was here at the time, I said, we're, you guys were shooting for a million, million of those, and she goes, "Good God, son, what are you trying to do? Kill us? We would all quit <laughs> if we did a million. <laughs> too funny, too funny. That's a lot of thinglings. It was it a is, lot. It is, but I, I, you know, there are for me, it's an acquired taste. I'm not that big on them. Uh, but it's great what they're doing. I mean, it's uh, President's Day. Yes. You know, uh, this day and age for people to remember that, you know, there's a cherry tree issue, you know. And I'm guessing there's some school kids that don't know that. That's right. Unfortunately. So it, it's great. And it's great that it's nationwide. It's funny. So the day before the big release, my the owner of our company comes in my office and shuts the door. because. <laughs> You're not too far from Batesville, are you? <laughs> and he's been out here. He, yeah. he was here for the Maple Fest last year. So I'm like, no. He goes, I got a mission for you. <laughs> well, you know, you, I drove by there Saturday before President's Day, and, you know, I snapped a picture of the line. Uh, you have to be happy for a small business like that to do what they've done and turn something that's very small of a remembrance into something that big and a lot of people support it and I have to give credit to Schmidt's Bakery in Batesville I think they do a great job absolutely yeah, I think it's absolutely. awesome yeah. so I know Dwayne you're not a big fan no I mean I'm not a cherry fan in particular so I well mean, I, except for the fact that they have cherry juice yeah in five gallon buckets and things could be made with cherry juice that yeah. could be very good so 
We might. You never know. Make a trip if we can to Batesville buy it tomorrow. now and freeze it until like, after maple syrup season. I like wow. cherry bourbon. That's really good. Well, we're th- we're well, thinking something else. But yeah. <laughs> so first of all, guys, we cannot make yeah. cherry bourbon. That no. would be brandy. That no. would. We can't make brandy either. Because it would be a distilled product, which is against the law. That's true. That's, that's true. true. So we can that's make right. cherry wine. Yeah. Wine. If we were making it, it would be cherry brandy. Yeah, but we can't. So it would be can't. cherry wine. So we can consider yeah. the fact that we could possibly make cherry wine. Yes. Yeah. Jeff, you're awful quiet. Get legally, In fact, I, I, have a, I have a whole barrel out there empty that I've been keeping water in. Oh. We could really make we could really make some wine. We should Let's just, do it. Project. I think we do that. And we need 10 buckets, split that between. Yeah. We, yeah. Who, I'm we, in. Yeah. There's I'm a guy in. that's in Batesville regularly. Well, you don't even need 10 because you got to dilute it with water. <laughs> that's so, true. Uh, I, I know a guy that goes right by there. I was going to say, I know a guy that's yeah, in Batesville. Yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking five buckets and the rest is sugar and water. And depending on what they've mixed with the cherry. Probably already have sugared up enough. There you go. I'm I'm uh, hmm. I'm in because I want to learn anyway. So Perfect. I'm in. And we got the barrel. So we're in. Okay. G- the only one. The word is thinking about this. The word. He's, he's, he's I'm, thinking. I'm. I'm ready. Project. To, I'm ready to taste test it. <laughs> another project. You know, uh, and it's funny. The word's wife is really good about making wine. She's she can make some very good, wine. good at it. So yes. there we go. Yeah, her, there we go. Yeah, it's all she's good. Made some of the her best spe- I've ever her had. specialty is uh, blueberry wine. It's excellent. Yeah. So see, we chipping in tonight for Ruben to pick us up some buckets tomorrow. There we go. I think we do that. So. We got a. It's a special night here. We've got a call-in guest coming. We're not going to say who that is yet, uh, but we're excited. We're going to take a short break to fill our glasses. So for Cross the Line 1524, I'm here with Dwayne Bischoff, Jeff Montag, Ruben Hunt, and we'll be right back. You know, there's something about listening to that music. <laughs> now, that's not Robert Clotworthy there. That's that's yours truly. But there's something about Oak Island. So welcome to Cross the Line 1524. I'm Alan Stanger with... Dwayne Bischoff. Jeff Montag. Ruben Hunt. And we got a special guest on the line. Who's out there on the line? This is Drilling Down. <laughs> <laughs> we have got the one and only Matty Blake on the line. Matty, how the heck are you doing tonight? Good. I figured I'd try to uh, match your great voiceover you did at the beginning. Yeah. Of this. <laughs> so, so it's funny because we have uh, in a couple of weeks. Robert uh, has been gracious enough. He's going to be on a podcast. I'm not going to play my version. I'm going to let him uh, do it himself. So. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, he's the best. Oh man, you know uh, we'll talk about him a little bit later. But uh, you just got to, you know, he there's three words he says that everybody in this nation knows. It's called Could Could It Be. be. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So for those that don't know, Matty Blake is the host of Drilling Down. Uh, That talks, you know, it's a follow-up for the Oak Island show that we all love. Uh, We've done several podcasts, had several people on from Oak Island. I believe our last guest was James A. McQuiston, actually, that we had on, which was very interesting, very technical. Uh, Matty, I believe, is going to be a little more comical, probably. 
<laughs> which sometimes is a good thing. So, Maddie, talk to us about how you got in the whole showbiz business. I well, guess. it kind of it was not intentional at first. I I, um, I kind of fell into it. Um, I actually want to be a, a police officer. My whole, you know, my <laughs> wow, whole life. really? That's a little yeah. change. Yeah, and I actually went to school for it and everything. And then uh, when I was living in Boston, I was living downtown Boston, kind of working. I worked with uh, high risk youth. Um, I got I, I got involved with some guys who did sketch comedy and things like that. And uh, my brother actually signed me up for an open mic night one night, and I won. So I just kind of had like fast success in that kind of thing. I was always like a fan of it, but I never. I was too thick to realize that like maybe I could do it myself. That to me that was something that people did in Hollywood, you know. Um, and then I just kind of learned on the job over the years and had some kind of fast success at it. So that led to me getting signed by a New York agency, uh, by coastal New York and LA agency, talent agency. I moved to New York and then I started making my living, you know, as a working actor and host. Um, and that's the rest is history. That was about twenty. I was like I got signed in two thousand two. Wow. So what what was your first your first I guess making a living paying gig you know when you got mm-hmm. going when you're you know when you realize you're on your yeah. own and this is what I'm doing for a living what was your first paying gig Yeah it's a great question I mean I think it would have been a voiceover job um, because my, when my agent signed me like literally the next day I was beating the streets of New York City going from audition to audition and I was auditioning for for different things um, voiceovers. Uh, on-camera commercials when you could see me, uh, hosting jobs like I do on Oak Island. So it was kind of a, a mix of everything. And I never got famous, but I picked off enough jobs pretty quickly that I was making a living at it pretty quickly. So I, I think the very first thing I did in New York City was a was a voiceover commercial uh, where you just hear my voice. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I have a question for you is um, – I know I'm really familiar with voiceover called the children and grandchildren. Have you ever, uh, is it ever in your mind to be a possible voiceover for like a uh, cartoon edition, uh, something for Disney or something like that? You know, I never really got into animation. Um, that is a division of my agency and not to get too like insider, you know, actory boring for, I don't want to bore Oak Island fans, but <laughs> there's, you know, there's, there's different, divisions of even voiceover um so there's narration there's commercial voiceover there's tv vo there's promo there's guys who just specialize in promos like so when you watch oak island robert clotworthy is a narrator of oak island right right um there's also a guy you'll hear when you're watching the the history channel and uh, it's a separate voice that actually does the teases for Oak Island, the promos for Oak Island, right? So it'll say, like, next week on an all-new Curse of Oak Island. That is not Robert. That's a promo guy. Okay. So there's all these different <laughs> types of voiceover. I kind of specialized in commercial and um, TV promos. And that kind of – once you start to kind of get going in an area, um, there were – animation guys definitely but it just kind of never happened for me and i never really pursued it it wasn't something that i you know animation and video games just kind of never i never got those auditions really okay um so yeah so but i would i would do it it's not that i'm against it it just never kind of came my way okay so so obviously you know 
besides what you're doing now, uh, what past projects are you most proud of? Oh my gosh, what a great question. Oh my gosh. Um, most proud of. I did a film that, I did a short with a, with a guy named Anthony Arkin. He's, he's probably my best friend in the, in the biz. Yeah, you know, so we're, uh, we're going to talk about him a little bit later here. <laughs> great, great, great. Uh, yeah, we, we, we did a short together that I just wanted to do as a, um, just a one scene, like when Funny or Die first came out, uh, I wanted to do it as a Funny or Die video. This is, you know, when that was all new, you know what I mean? Um, so short content, one scene comedic videos were all the rage at that point and everyone was all excited because Will Ferrell and Adam McKay had started this thing called Funny or Die and so I just came up with this idea for a one scene uh, funny bit and I presented it to Anthony because I wanted him to direct it and he kind of took it to the next level and we made it into an entire pilot presentation and built a, a show pitch around it and kind of created what would have been a series and it kind of brought us a lot of exciting places and um, it never made it as a scripted show but i i still watch that and i still think it's the best thing scripted wise i ever have ever done and then in the non-scripted hosting world um i did some stuff for the golf channel that i'm real proud of uh i did a character called the golf detective golf detective (laughs) yeah we went out and actually solved golf mysteries like we we took (laughs) audience suggestions uh people would send in you know what's the first uh course ever built in america and we'd go find out we'd investigate it and find out me and my producers so I really love that. Um, but the, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. Cool, cool. So you're a family man, obviously. So I, I guess my biggest question is, how do you balance, you know, what you're doing, you know, with the Oak Island shows and, and show business, period, with the family life? Well, I mean, I'm lucky, guys. Cause, uh, <laughs> I heard Bruce Springsteen one time, and I'm not comparing myself to Bruce Springsteen, only the fact <laughs> You're born oh, in the, the USA. That, yeah, that and that he, you know, uh, that he has a job that's a little more visible than mine. But, um, but no, I, I heard him one time say, my kids, like, hate my music. And that's how it should be. And I really identified with that because my wife and child have zero interest in me being on TV or anything I do professionally. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and I think that really I need that I need that because um, when I go home I'm just home you know and and I, and it's just another job as far as my son is concerned I might as well be a factory worker because dad daddy goes away to, to shoot and then I come home and I'm dad and there's no like oh my dad's on TV is none of that there never has been even when I had you know I had a very uh, uh, I was very blessed to have a really successful on-camera commercial career like that part of my career i did a lot of commercials and you'd be watching you know american idol and you would see me twice on two different commercials like i had a hot streak for a few years going and so um that never mattered to anyone in my family (laughs) you know what i mean like and and everything i've ever done it never really mattered to them other than they wanted me to be happy obviously and i was paying the bills but so to answer your question a long-winded way, like it's real easy for me because that's my priority. I do what I do for them. Every time I get on a plane, it's for them. That's um, great. Well, that's yeah, cool. So, it's cool that it keeps you grounded. I mean, it keeps you yes. in the real world, you know. 
Yes, hundred percent. Because I can, as you know, oak can become an obsession. So, you know, <laughs> yes, we know that. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> I will start. You know, I'll have all my notes out and start lecturing my wife about. Then they did this, and she's like, "Yeah, awesome. Uh, pick backs up at school at three <laughs> twenty." <laughs> and we're out of milk too, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's exactly. some milk and cookies while you're at the store. So, Maddie, I so, take it. I take it yes. that you know. So, so this business isn't like heritage for you it's it you know you, you are kind of the guy in the family that happened into this yeah absolutely right never went to drama school uh never did any of that um so yeah no that's that that's my number one priority and and then i i, I love what i do i'm blessed enough to love what i do and but um yeah it's 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 in its proper place <laughs> so the so the the ideas of becoming uh, getting into law enforcement did this just take you away from that or were there other reasons why you didn't pursue that any further um no yeah it was what it, this is funny this i remember you asked my first job and i couldn't quite remember but i i de- i distinctly remember getting a check <laughs> from um a, a gig i had done like a, a a comedy gig i had done and it was more than my check i was making working for the state um and I'm just like, it was the first sign of it. It was just a one-shot deal, but I, I went, my God, like I could actually, could I, did people actually make a living at doing that? I was so <laughs> green. You know, I didn't understand. Um, so so it was just an easy equation for me. Like, I, like this might be my calling, you know what I mean? And Right. I can have fun uh, and get paid for it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and um, so it was an easy decision. I didn't, I didn't like struggle over it or go oh my gosh I'm leaving this it was just like oh my gosh people are paying me to do this <laughs> you know uh, so that's how it and I just followed that you know I, I, as they say I followed the horse in the direction the horse was riding that's great uh, the question great. I have for you is is in this uh, what you've been doing now uh, obviously you run across actors and stuff is there anybody you would say that was ins- inspirational to you wow Oh, I, I'm a, uh, I'm a man of faith, so I've always loved uh, Jim Caviezel's work. Awesome, um, great, great. Yeah, um, he's always been someone that I, I hope I bump into one day and <laughs> cross paths with. Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm born and raised in Massachusetts, so uh, I heard he's not an actor or a talent, but I, I heard Tom Brady recently on, on a radio show. It was actually about a year and a half ago, and. Um, he said something to the effect of, you know, people don't want to hear this or they don't want to believe me. And he said, but, but truly every day I try to get better in every area of my life. Like I try to be a little bit better. And so if I studied game film for years a certain way, I said it would become a routine. And I would think to myself, how can I study it differently? Right. What, what else can I do to become a better? And I really, that affected me in, in so far as what I do on Oak Island because I had got into a routine and um, hard work was never a question for me. I, I have a I, I have a high motor and I'm a hard worker. But I thought to myself, what could I do differently? And I literally, like every season of Oak Island, I, I try to do something differently that fits in with whatever is different about that season. So I, I found him very inspiring. Uh, and then what he did this year to win a Super Bowl. So he's been on my mind lately because I've really put that into practice, not just words. Like, what can I physically and mentally do differently this year? that'll make me better and um that that's meant a lot to me 
That's great. That's great. That's, you know, uh, we're from the great state of Indiana. And yeah. Jim Cathiesel did a uh, acting for the the movie Madison, which is based oh, out of based Madison, Madison, Indiana. Indiana. Yes. Yes. Uh, right. Right. So we're like a couple hours from there, and uh, it's a beautiful town of Madison. And and you know, I, I, wow, what a great! I think it's a a great goal for you to. Or an inspiration for you is, is you picked the you picked a good one there. I think. Yeah, he's awesome. So I, I'm going to comment on, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, talking about your faith a little bit. So I got to tell you, that's one of the things that I find refreshing about you. Uh, we're going to talk about your podcast, P for Paranormal, after a while. But you you are very upfront and very uh, you know forthright with your faith, which. In this day and age, is is not normal, and I got to tell you personally, I really appreciate that. So, oh, that 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 means everything to me. Thank you. Um, I think you hit a certain age where you stopped caring <laughs> about what people yeah. might do to you or think, and it's definitely a, it's a it's a it's not conducive to this industry that I'm in. Um, but it's funny, Oak Island specifically is a show of faith. Not, you know, I'm I'm a Christian, so I don't mean Christian faith when I say that. But you guys know you're you're a fan of the show. Oak Island is about faith in the face of adversity. Yes, it's, yes. It, it's a it's about believing in something that you have said in your heart and your mind, and despite evidence to the contrary, sometimes you keep moving forward, and that's the ultimate metaphor for faith, right? I mean, faith isn't. Faith isn't just always believing. Faith is doubt because if you just always believe, that's fanaticism, right? If you're right, just right, if, if you if you have no doubt, if you have no contrary evidence that makes you sometimes think about things in a different way, like then you're just a fanatic. So I think Oak Island's a perfect job for me, and it's a perfect metaphor for life because there are days on Oak Island where you go, what are, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's nothing, it's just we so picked up confounding. Around. Yeah. yeah and, and, and even what we are picking up is, is proving a different theory now or, or, or pointing to a different theory. It's confounding. It's frustrating. Right. 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 Well, and, but to keep moving forward in your belief is, is that's it, man. Well, going back to your inspiration, you spoke about Tom Brady. You aren't thinking of retiring from Oak Island and finding some other show that's struggling to try to take it to the Oak Island status, are you? He's going to go to Apple Island and find a treasure, right? <laughs> hey, uh, as long as the Laguna Brothers will have me, I will be there. <laughs> so there so let's, let's talk about Oak Island a little bit. So how did you, you know, for those that don't know, uh, of course, the Laginas are the the, the the gentleman you know that started the whole Oak Island thing this time around. Uh, but Prometheus is the production company uh, that's putting it all together and sells it to uh, History Channel. So, how did you initially hook up with Prometheus? So, at the risk of boring again, um, <laughs> no, you're fine. Okay, it's kind of an insider thing, but actually it speaks to the point, uh, kind of, that we're just talking about. I was always open about, uh, you know, if not my, not necessarily my Christian faith, but I was always open about the things I was passionate about, and I was always open about my belief in in the unseen and paranormal and, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, Mysteries, the mysteries of the world. I love history and I love mystery, so I was always talking about that i was always kind of keeping my eye open for gigs that might kind of fit into that area um and sure as you know it uh the oak island job came about 
the 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 drilling down job came about and um a producer that i had worked with on something completely different unrelated um was asked to work on this project and they said we need a host prometheus you know put it out there i, I think prometheus in working with history channel you know had had put it out there to start auditioning looking for talent and one of the things they said was ideally this host would be passionate about mysteries and 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 unexplained things and so my friend this guy jeff baumgartner he he goes oh my god maddie he won't shut up about <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you know he he's the guy for this you know um so uh you know because i was open and honest and not trying to be someone i wasn't um that this opportunity came my way and so I, I just auditioned like any other host and they had some names, you know, some, some kind of bigger names that they were looking at. Um, but I think my passion, and I, I remembered I had, I had read a book when I was a kid that featured Oak Island. Um, and I'm going, is this the same? Oh my God, this is the same. Oh, this is Oak Island. You know? So right. it felt like, it felt like destiny. It, it, it felt like, felt like I might get that thing, you know, when I walked into the audition, which you normally try to, as a talent, you try not to go there because you're going to set yourself up for disappointment. But right. I just, right. I had a feeling about it and um, it happened fast. Like they, they thought I was the right guy. And, and I think I was. Well, we think you were too. So that's well, maybe, and maybe that's what they saw was your passion coming through you and your voice. Because, I mean, just now when you start talking about it, you can. I mean, I can hear your voice change, and the it it seems more like it's not a voice, but it comes from your heart. It's a it's yeah. an emotion that comes through in the sound and the pitch. So, so maybe they heard that too, and you know, sometimes things just are. Yeah, it's well said. I mean, I th- I think the camera picks up. DNA, if you will. Um, right. you, yeah. you, you, you can't, you can fake it for a while, but you can't force camaraderie. You can't force passion. Right. Um, you, you can't fake that stuff. And if, and there, there, are, I think there's basically like two types of people when it comes to Oak Island and mysteries like this. It's, it's one is people who hear a story like Oak Island or any sort of mystery or any unexplained thing. And they go, Oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. And they just move on. And then there's the rest of us who, are so compelled we need to know we form podcasts about it <laughs> and, and we and i'm i'm definitely in your camp you know i just can't let that stuff go i'm just like what happened on this island i have to know so yeah so when was the first time you actually got to uh, visit the island so it was season one of drilling down which is season the season three premiere three. of the yeah, show gotcha so what five years ago almost six now right um, right and yeah, I went to the island. I interviewed Rick and Marty, just me, one-on-one in the old war room. Um, it was the first time they had done really a sit-down interview. Um, do you know when you see them do those little talking head interviews where it's just them on the show? Yeah, it looks like they've recorded all of them at one time. So they do plenty of... they. <laughs> yeah. they do Well, they do those. They're called OTF. They, they do those as things happen, basically, to get their reactions. Gotcha. Right, so that so we can contextualize things. Um, so you know, Gary finds something incredible. The end of that day, or sometime that week, we want to hear Rick's thoughts hear, about it, right. right? So, or Rick and Marty's. So that's that. So they had done plenty of those, but it was the first time they had ever really sat down and done a long form interview, like with a host in conjunction with the show. So I was nervous. They didn't, you know, they didn't really know who I was. In fact, they they, as far as they knew, I was someone coming in from 
quote, quote unquote, the network, you know? Right. Right. And it was, it was all kind of done with smiles and joking, but they were kind of like, what do you want to know? What are you going to ask us? You know, they're wary. And I was wary, you know, and I, I remember right off the bat, um, Rick's hair was like messed up, uh, right? Because right? he was in the field, and so they're like, "Rick, can we just move this little piece?" Of-? And he, you know, he's he, he doesn't want to be a TV star. He's like, "Come on, you right?" Know? <laughs> um, and so I had like really short hair because I had auditioned for a cop part actually in New York City. So I had like a marine haircut at the time, and so I made a joke uh, to the guy. I said, "Hey, can you get mine too? It's a little uh, out of control here, you know." <laughs> and everyone laughed, and it was kind of like. I just saw kind of in that moment, like, okay, all right, he's not some, this isn't Geraldo coming to grill us, you know what I mean? And we met in New York City again for, we did all the Drilling Downs, which was a studio show back then. Um, We shot a a bunch, and that's, we really kind of, you know, between between spending some time on the island together and, and then spending time doing those drilling downs, and they were long days shooting in the studio. We really, and we went out to dinner with Kevin Burns at night, and that's when we started to get to know each other, and the trust was starting to get established. Like, okay, he's a fan. Like, he's not here to grill or expose anything. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. He's here to help the audience understand what's happening. And as I said to Rick, I said, I used this phrase. I said, hey, look, man, I said, I'm not necessarily an Oak Island expert, although over the years I might have kind of become one. I said, but but I am an expert in the the television show, The Curse of Oak Island, and I'm going to spread the gospel. (laughs) (laughs) That's my job. I'm going to spread the gospel of this show, and thereby, inherently, Rick understands that means I'm spreading the gospel of the story of Oak Island, which he's all for. Right. So, well, so that's when. Yeah, and I think you know, I think we see that in you, just that enthusiasm and that genuine interest in, you know, when you're when you're talking to those guys, your genuine interest and in, and in, so it just all kind of comes together because they enjoy that. I think that that genuine enthusiasm that you show. You're like a little yeah. kid. I mean, yeah. really, you're like a little kid on the island, and and that. that that resonates with everybody watching as right. well because you know they can put themselves in your shoes and uh it's it's fun to watch well thanks yeah i mean i don't, I don't know i mean i guess there's some people that could I, there, well there's a lot of people that could go on oak island and not be moved or excited but i you're just you just you won't want to spend much time with me you know what I mean? yeah so you know we out of the four of us three of us have been to oka and we were fortunate enough to go in 2019 and all of us were going in 2020 we all had tickets for the tour yeah uh, and of Airfare, course our, our good friend COVID 19 squashed that so um you know once once you've been on that island if if you weren't uh, intrigued before you definitely are once you've been there that's right and it gives you a different perspective when you watch the show now because yeah. you can you can visualize yourself in those places that they're talking um, right. you know visualize the swamp and the money pit well we know from being there that there's an elevation difference between the swamp and the money pit which yep. plays into what's going on this year so yep. it's, it's those things that you know <clears throat> when you have a two-dimensional view of it Yes. Is one thing, but when you've been there and you got the three-dimensional view, and I yes. imagine for you, since you've been all over the island, it's even more intense for you. 
Yeah, I, I want to ask you guys a question. I'm curious. What, what were your initial impressions in terms of? Uh, some people always say to me, like the first thing that struck me was it was smaller than I thought. Some people think it was bigger than they thought. Like, what were your initial kind of impressions? So, of just- so I'll tell you. So we're uh, two of us got there. Two couples got there before the other one. So we decided to drive to the island, uh, yep. and so we did things backwards. <clears throat> so we bought our airfare, and we got uh, uh, a house, and then we went online to get our tickets for the tour. So you know what we did wrong there. So we had no tickets for the tour. So yeah. we got there. Uh, it was a fourth of, the 4th of July weekend, 2019. So we got there on the 4th, I believe, and Ashley said, hey, yeah. let's just drive to the island. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> all of a sudden, we're using you know a GPS to get there. All of a sudden, we're at the causeway. Yeah. And it was like, holy crap. And we stopped. This is yeah. it. <laughs> we just stopped, and we're like, holy smoke. We're, we're actually we're, here. We're here. We're here. This is it. <laughs> right. So, I don't know if that's how you felt the first time you pulled around that bend and there was the cause. In the middle of nowhere. That's yeah. how we felt. Right. Uh, so very similar. Yes. It, it was it was it was very you know, and then we, we pull over to the interpretation center, which was open and <coughs> you know, you got to see the monuments and stuff, and we go in the interpretation center. So Jeff Jeff can we were very fortunate on this yeah. trip, and Jeff, we'll both explain this a little bit. So yeah, so so we we, we drive across Causeway, and there were there weren't but a few cars there, and uh, Alan's down looking at the the monument uh, by the lake um, for the six who have died. Right, so yes, and I turn around and I look up, and there's Charles Barkhouse letting somebody. In. I was like. Holy smoke! <laughs> you know? This, this yeah, is July Fourth. Yeah. There's nobody. Yeah, and I mean. there's hardly anyone there. And, right. and and so I'm like, Alan, Alan. So Charles disappeared behind a building or whatever. So then we wandered on up to the interpretive center, and we're in we're in the, looking at the gift shop. You know, kind of wandering around looking at the stuff in the interpretive center. And I think there was you know, our our two couples, and maybe another couple or two in there, and. Uh, I turn around and Charles comes in the interpretive center and, and greets this other couple that we didn't know at the time. And I'm like, Alan, <laughs> Alan, starstruck. <laughs> so, so anyway, Alan's wife, Mary, she's in the, she's looking at some t-shirts and this and that. And Alan's, we're like little kids, you know, we're like, little <laughs> yeah. kids. Alan's like, put it down, put it down. Charles right there. Come on. So, Come over here. So I, so I walk over and he he was ta- he was, you know, he's a gracious guy. Just a, oh. just a super gracious guy and he yeah. was he was chatting with these folks and getting his picture taken and and that was kind of breaking up and so I walked o- over and and said hello and told him we were from Indiana and and that and uh um you know, so so we got our picture taken away. Told me, yeah, we had another couple on the way that were going to be there the next day. And he goes, "Well, are you guys going to are you guys no. going to do the tour?" We were like, no. "Well, we uh, we don't have tickets. Um, we don't have tickets." He's like, "Oh, yeah, you know what?" He said, "Just you know, you might come up here a half hour before the tour time, and a lot of times there's cancellations." Ah, uh, you know, we're like, "Cool." So you know, we chatted with him for a couple more minutes, and then went back to what we were doing to kind of let him go. And uh, we're back over to the uh, to the uh, gift shop side of the building, and first thing you know, he comes over, walks over with a piece of paper and a phone number on it, and he goes here. He said, "Why don't you guys save yourself a trip and just call this number up here, you know, and see awesome. if there's any cancellations, you know?" So yeah, just 
just a so, super So good what guy. he left out is I grabbed that piece of paper and I still got it in a frame someplace. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his DNA. He's, got, he's, got his he's gonna DNA. clone him, I think. So. But the, the other part of that was that next day we didn't wait to call. We we, we, we just drove. We were on the causeway. Well, on yeah, the causeway. I, don't, I don't know what the whole setup is there, but we pulled up on the causeway. And of course the first day we were there, um, not doing the tours, it's open, you just drive across. On the weekend they have somebody out at the end of the causeway. Um, just letting people in for the tours, and uh, the young lady that was out there, um, you know, she she came up and she said, "Do you have tickets?" I said, "No." I said, "We were here yesterday, and Charles just you know we talked to Charles Parkhouse, and he said to come a half hour before there might be cancellations." And she just looked at me and says, "There's been cancellations. You go on in and tell them." Awesome. I don't remember what yeah, her name was. was. And tell yeah, them I sent yeah. you up and. And, and that and was that, they were throwing so. Charles's name around. You yeah, know? <laughs> but, but what was what was cool about all that is once we're in there, he recognizes us right away and right. acknowledges us, and it just he's very he's as down to earth in person as he is on the show, and that's yep. Um, and I'm sure everybody, you know, we got to meet Charles and we got to meet Dave Blankenship. Uh, everybody right. else was gone because it was Fourth of July weekend, and they were all back in the states. Here we are up in Nova Scotia. So, right. uh, but it was just—it was awesome. It was awesome, you it know. And awesome. and once you're on that island, and you the gravity of what's going on or been going on, uh, it's just. So at the time they were doing the Smith's Cove excavation when, mm-hmm. when they had built that out, they wouldn't let mm-hmm. you go down to Smith's Cove. So I said, man, there's something big going on down there. So, in fact, when you, you were at Mahone Bay, you could see the crane and stuff for Smith's Cove. So you knew something big was going on, right. but they wouldn't sure. let you down there. So Sure, yeah, right. That's probably, So that, they, they probably didn't want you to see the big sea pilings. Exactly. The, the yeah. dam. Exactly. Right, right, right. right. So exactly. funny. So the question I have, I have for you is, you know, yeah. what during your, your visit, your first time there, and met with the Laginas, at, at what moment triggered you to be really bought in? Because I know when I was there, and I've watched it for you know years now, and when I got to actually stand there and look at that, I, it made a different feeling towards me. Was there, did you have that moment too? Definitely. Uh, as a matter of fact, we had a kind of a, a kind of a spooky moment where where um, the first thing I shot actually wasn't the interview with them. We did a we did a, a kind of a walk and talk with me out out by Smith's Cove, and we were standing on the uh, at the at the where the memorial is for the rest stalls where the rest stall incident happened right and and we weren't even supposed to be there on that day it got canceled a couple times that happens in production all the time you know uh, <laughs> dates get moved around you oh we're gonna do this that day we're gonna switch days so anyway our first day was supposed to be like our third day and i just remember saying to patty my producer i said um what day is it today and we, you know, she said the date, and I said, "Look at the, look at the um, stone marker there." And it, we were there on the 50th anniversary to the day of the rest hall. Wow! Wow! Yeah! Wow! And you know, the the hairs on the back of my neck went up. We had had some technical issues; things weren't working. And it's, it's like, as soon as we acknowledged it out loud that it was the 50th anniversary, like everything worked. And it was the cliche, "Welcome to Oak Island," you know. Um, but I really felt something. I felt like. I don't know. I don't want to sound too, you know, I know people get worked up when I talk my, my, uh, <laughs> right, my right. ethereal stuff, but, um, I, I really felt like it was kind of like the Island was 
knew I was going to be there for a while <laughs> and knew I was going to be telling its story and was kind of saying like, hey, um, don't forget, <laughs> you know, the past. Right, and, right. Um, so, you know, yeah. I had that moment there. We were on the island. We were standing, Alan and Jeff may remember, we were standing mm-hmm. on the dam of the um, – is it the bay or whatever? I'm trying to look at this, but the swamp. The, the swamp. swamp. We were standing yeah. on the bay of the, the the dam of the swamp, and and Charles, I I had questioned Charles about his uh, Templar ring he was wearing, yeah. and he that was the moment where when Charles told us the treasure's there, and he fully mm. believes it's there, mm. and they're going to mm. find it. And and granted, there's a lot of different perspectives of what the treasure is, whether it's the story or whether it's the article, but. His his conviction, being his conviction, and being able to stand there and seeing his emotion, and seeing him speak to us directly, not through a camera, not through anything, made me feel different about what was actually there. And, and I think Alan and Jeff feel the same that way. Yeah, it's funny. Also, we're talking about Charles Barkhouse conviction because where are we going as of? Uh, <laughs> Last week's as episode, of last week's episode, yeah, yeah, we're going right back to C one, right? And yeah. he was always adamant about that spot, you know. So it's very <laughs> it makes you wonder, you yes. know, what did he, what does he know? Yeah, he so, it's it's funny. So uh, I, I think next week's drilling down episode, you talk about uh, Samuel Ball as well. If I, if I yes, he's he's one of he's them. He's one yes. of them. Yes. So mm-hmm. if you look up. I'm jumping ahead of what my little narrative was here, but if you if you take a look at Samuel Ball's will, which most people's going to say it's morbid that I I've looked at Samuel Ball's will, mm-hmm. um, it was witnessed by somebody with the last name of Barkhouse. Yep. So I know Barkhouse is a common name in Nova Scotia, but it's just too coincidental. Yeah, if you his name's all over Barkhouse name is all over Mahone Bay on, yeah, on exactly. yes, memorials. And exactly. Yes, yeah. Yeah. It just seems yep. a little a little too coincidental. And if you look who he left stuff to, it's just uh, the, there's more to that story. Um I will say this, uh Marty made a statement that, you know, Samuel Ball last week was the smart businessman and, and made probably the majority of his money uh, making smart decisions but maybe a, per, a you know percent of it started with some maybe found treasure you don't know you so. don't know yeah. yeah i mean i i i'm i'm not a history professor but there aren't many former slaves who not, <laughs> you know went cabbage out to farmers not yeah cabbage he farms, bought that right. first lot he bought that first lot for eight pounds right and ends up ends up buying uh three more behind him uh, th- a few more on the eastern side. I think side of the five island. on the other side. Yeah, I mean, yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. That's right. A bunch of stuff in town. So it's like, how did that happen? Exactly. <laughs> that's some really you know, good cabbage. I mean, I, yeah. if he's a good businessman, some of that happens, but he's got to have the jump start from something. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and we, we all grew up in, uh, in and around agriculture, and I just can't imagine making that kind of money that fast growing cabbage. <laughs> on an island off the coast. You know, yeah, yeah, where there's nobody. It doesn't right. make yeah. much sense. Yeah. Right. Right. The yeah. population and alone he, wouldn't justify the cabbage. But. So, and so his, I, his, his estate that Laird is in the process, or as far as the show goes, in the process of um, uncovering is, n- is, is not a normal... Uh, that, that you know, foundation's humongous. I it's mean, humongous. In that time, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just it's more 
So I live uh, where there's our speakeasy is where we record a podcast was a pre-Civil War uh, house. And, and the, the foundation for for Samuel Ball's place is probably double what the foundation right. here is. And you're thinking yep. this is on an island in the middle in of the nowhere. middle of nowhere. And then at the time, there was no causeway to drive to the island. Everything was getting there via the water. That's right. And to see something that big, that's what a lot of people, I think, lose is they think, well, you can just drive right over there. You you couldn't do that, you know, until that was built, which was in the 60s. So everything before then was coming via water. Yeah, and and Laird kind of walked me around that footprint of that. He's going like, now this is where he, you know, he had like a... Uh, um, you know, not like almost like an entrance, like a circular driveway, almost that went right in front of what would have, what he felt would have been the front, you know, stone of the house. And then he's like, those trees wouldn't have been there. So you're looking right down. On, you've got the one of the most gorgeous views on the island, overlooking the water and this huge right, farmhouse right. with multiple buildings. You know, it's just like wow, wow. Well, and I want to mention <laughs> just you know, to set a tone with me. Uh, you mentioned that Laird himself walked you around that. Mm-hmm. And you know to hear that, hear you say that, and know that you physically walked that with Laird himself, uh, that has a whole different meaning. To yeah, me I mean now. that's the arch- that's the archaeology right. side. Right, I of love it, the side is, of that, which right. is yeah. not the lore, not the the, no. the it's glamour. The, it's the it's the real, physical being, physical real being. Yeah, so. right. Yeah, and that's it. And that's you know the show, and you'll see, you saw some of that in the promo running for this week's drilling down this Tuesday. Um, you know, me walking on, on that's where I'm walking uh, up to that lot. And uh, yeah, this show has become in a lot of ways a science and engineering show, you know, it really has. And the, the heroes of this show are archaeologists and right. uh, geologists. Right. <laughs> the only one was with any sort of acting field or anything is me. These people are not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. they're not in this they're not in this to be tv stars they are right. scientists right. they are experts and, and so and that's then, i think what makes it so compelling right then you have rick lagina and he's like well this is taking way too long because the archaeologists are involved <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> give me a backhoe in here <laughs> so it's amazing because yeah. if you watch you know we went back i i've watched this since the inception and but I kind of forgot about the first couple of years. You go back to those first couple of years, and they're out there mm-hmm. with shovels. Right, Rick mm-hmm. and Marty out there with a backhoe by themselves. You know, Dave Blankenship's mm-hmm. out there with the back. You know, it's 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 amazing where it started and where it's at now. Right. So. Yeah, it's become uh, it's become its own little country. I want to say one more thing about Laird. I, I said this recently to to someone else. I, um, you know, I I, I hope it. I, I don't know that it does, but I hope it does that the uh impact he's made on operations like so the fact that he's there has sped things up so much because uh, so if you're watching a scene right and gary finds something and they go oh laird come over here um we think this is this can we still do something here and he goes yeah uh that process right there would have taken (laughs) you know days if not weeks right permits and persons somebody to come look Right, but because he's on the scene, that's why we've had all these fines, 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 fines. Because, you know, we just just got to ask Laird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it's amazing. And so he's been invaluable to the speed of this thing. Yeah. So you know what I've realized is my glass is empty, and I look at it. These guys <laughs> around here, their glasses are empty. I'm not sure what you got in front of you, but I'm guessing you need a refill as well. 
Well, uh, I don't want to. Well, I'll just lie and say it's some exotic booze drink. It's actually a huge thing of water. But. Hey, that, that works too. So we're going to take a short break. And we'll be right back. So for Cross the Line 1524, we've got Dwayne Bischoff, Jeff Montag, Ruben Hunt. I'm Alan Stanger. And on the line, we've got our special guest, Maddie Blake. We'll be right back. There is an island off the coast of Nova Scotia, which could hold millions in buried treasure. I got to say, I just like hearing myself yeah, do that. I, I was gonna, <laughs> yeah, we know I was, that. I was going to say, Maddie, you wouldn't believe how proud Alan is as he's sitting there listening to that. Oh. Hey, if, if you're not your own fan, who is going to be? There, there, yeah. there you go. There he you go. beats his own shirt off his back right yeah. there. <laughs> so we're, we're here with Cross the Line 1524. We've got Dwayne Bischoff. Jeff Montag. Ruben Hunt. I'm Alan Stanger, and I tell you what, we got a special guest on the line, Mr. Maddie Blake. So we've been talking Oak Island, and uh, of course, Maddie is the host of Drilling Down. Uh, so we got some more Oak Island stuff we're going to talk about, and then we're going to talk about your new show, Beyond Oak Island, a little bit. Oh, and it. then we're going to end up the show with my new favorite podcast, you know, besides Cross the Line 1524. Unfortunately, I'm all caught up on it. It's uh, rated P for Paranormal, so we'll talk about that a little bit. But back to Oak Island. So how many, I just got to know, and, and I know you can't tell too many secrets, but mm-hmm. how many episodes of Drilling Down do you record at one time? That's a great question because, it, it honestly, I'm not being evasive. It, it changes, um, and it changes constantly because Drilling Down has changed each season. Um, it's gotten bigger. It's gotten, we, we've done more specials each year as the show's grown. Um, and quite frankly, we, we decide as a team what to do on Drilling Down. A lot of it is based on what's happening with the search agenda. So, you know, we might plan to do like, I don't know, I'm just making this up. Um, let's do a special on the history of the swamp. And, you know, um, we might plan to do that. And all of a sudden, a massive discovery is made like the U-shaped structure in Smith's Cove. And so we have to, you know, kind of adjust to the season each season kind of has its own theme of finds right like uh you know one season tends to be like the season of information the other season may be the season of finds and so we we tailor what we do to that so long-winded way of saying it's changed over the years um basically i can tell you that i could be there from i've been there from anywhere from three days like when mr blankenship died and we had to put together a dave blankenship special fast so you know i went there we went to his funeral we mourned we you know got together and we banged out a special in dedication to him you know um so that was like a three-day in and out strategic strike i've been there for a month i've been there for you know four to six weeks so it honestly depends. This season, or last season, we front-loaded a bunch of specials. Um, so I did the same amount of specials, but everyone's going like, where's Maddie? I'm like, well, I did six specials, but they're all before the season started. You know what I mean? Um, right. And then I always do my pre-kickoff and my, my end-of-season wrap-up. So I'll film anywhere from one to eight at one time. It's it's honestly varied. Right. Right. So, so do, you, do you have a favorite episode of Drilling Down? Ooh, 
the, the, the <laughs> well, I'll tell you because it's fresh in my mind. I got a real, maybe more than ever. I've I got more love on the Dave Blankenship, Dave Blankenship. special. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking that myself. Yeah, than maybe anything I've done before. Um, well, I, I think because that was that was a very personable set down with Dave. Right. Yeah. E- even more so because a lot of the social media sites, people were saying stuff, you know, he's disgruntled, he's this, he's that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you sat down with him and, you know, and, and the one thing that we all notice, I mean, the, look, the guy's partially paralyzed on one side of his body. Right. Yeah. I mean, he had a hard time getting in and out of the house, let alone... Yep. Uh, tag along on what's going on on the island. So that's right. That's we were right. fortunate enough to meet him. Right when that's we were there, he walked out of his driveway and spoke to us as we were walking by, and and you know the wives hugged him and stuff. And he was such a wonderful guy. Yeah, he's he's what you see is what you get with him. Definitely. Right. I'll, I'll tell you where that special is kind of kind of born in a way is if you're a super fan, <laughs> you'll remember that. There was a there was a couple times I've sat down with Dave over the season. It's funny, like whatever. I don't know what it is. Like you're a musician, so like you understand. Sometimes musicians get together and it's just a thing. There's and, a thing. There's it, it's you're in a groove. You just can't right. explain it. And for whatever reason, Dave and I are all like off the air. We're all jokes. We're laughing. We're busting each other's chops. And we've done that on Drilling Downs too. Like when I fell in the swamp and he made fun of me and things like that. But when I sit down with him, for some reason it kind of gets uh, not serious. It gets reflective. I don't know why that is. And so, like, there was a time when him and I were in the golf cart together, driving from uh, the Money Pit area to his dad's house on one of the drilling down specials. And we just put a little GoPro in my golf cart that I tool around the island in, and just see if anything comes up, you know. And we're getting in the cart, we're joking, and oh yeah, we're gonna go see your dad and ask him about whatever. And we're driving. And I started asking him about his marriage and his divorce and his relationship with his father. And he's going, yeah, you know, my father and I had a tough relationship a lot of ways. And, and, and you know, my producers are in my ear going like, oh, my God, this is great stuff. Like, <laughs> stuff they never knew and were yeah, afraid to so ask. Like, right. So it's like um, it's like him and I sit down. We just have a little little thing. So when it was, you know, I think they at Prometheus – the unbelievable producers, uh, Joe Lassard and Derek and, um, you know, Jason Shook, Derek Teagues, they, they, they just, they, they knew like, Oh, we got to sit him down and find, you know, and tell this story, tell his whole story in a, in a long way. So, but it, it was like, there was little clues. Like, oh, when his father died, that, that blanket ship special, one of my favorites, um, at the end of that special, you know, you have to remember, we literally just came you had from just the finished. funeral. Yeah, yeah. We had just come from the funeral like the day before. And um, we've got the interpretive center all lit up with all huge pictures of his father around us. And this man comes in and sits in a director's chair, just me and him and two cameras. And it was like, go. And so, you know, that special was kind of a long time coming, I think. Right. Right. Now, I got just since that brought up about the golf cart, and you know, you kind of expose expose moments that he's revealing to you. I mean, do you, does anybody go to him and go, "Hey, is this okay?" Or is this just kind of like, "Hey, you signed up for this, and it's it's is what it is." And uh, the truth on that is that we we you know the those producers know that stuff because we've become so close over the years. Do you know what I mean? Like, but it's a it's a it's so they know it, 
but it's a different thing when it comes out on camera, right? Um, so to be to answer that question, I would say, yeah, no, nothing goes on that. Nothing would ever go on that show that one of the people on the show would be against. Gotcha. You're like, hey, don't show that because if they said that, they would cut it. You know what I mean? Right. And and that's that just doesn't happen because we are we have all become kind of so close that um, I mean, my gosh, I've, those those producers I've named and me have had dinner at Dave and Garnett's house. I don't know, I couldn't even count them. You know, like we've gone over there for a drink after like. We're, we're very it's it's all true what you see on camera like it's a very tight-knit group and that's good to, i mean from us as on the other side of it that's good to hear that nobody's looking for that gotcha you know no. you know you're looking for that gotcha to expose somebody or do something that somebody wouldn't wouldn't appreciate or wouldn't like so i mean that's that that means a lot you know on this end of it yeah a lot of respect between everyone involved Right. So I listened to a podcast that you did um, with Robert Clotworthy. So, oh yes, yes. Yeah. So I, I I can't remember what platform that was on, but I listened to that and it was awesome. So I mean that's got to be awesome for you to. I don't know how often you know he's out in California. You're on the East Coast. How often do you guys ever see each other? Because he's doing voiceovers. Uh, and how special was that for you actually to sit you know sit down to a podcast? That was the greatest. And the answer to that question is never. We never see each other, which is such a crime. But um yeah, he's he like you said, he's in LA in his in his home studio and um and and I do what I do and so there's just there's not a lot of interplay and yet he feels like a coworker of, you know what I mean? Um and so we said, God, we've never sat down and talked long form and we definitely should. So and I'm so glad we did. Um and and you know he's just what a, what a phenomenal talent his, yeah. his voice is that show you know what's well, amazing you know when you hear him just doing an interview with with you uh you know it's not that same voice you hear with could it be you know it's it's when he's doing voiceover it's a whole different character so mm-hmm. it's he's locked uh, in yeah so it was funny listening to him talk about being in the hotel rooms with blankets over his head doing recording and, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I yeah. found I found humor in that because you know recording my own music I've done the same thing doing vocals you know I don't have an elaborate sound studio so put a blanket over your head and then you don't have any that's outside it. sound coming in so that's it I can admit this now because it's the the you got a blanket over your head the, well the, the time the, <laughs> yeah, yeah what do you call it the uh, statute of limitations is run up but I've done things on vacation that aired nationally that I recorded in my car. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, thanks. Like, you know, technology has changed. You can do that now. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you can set yeah. up, you can go in, well, especially with COVID. I mean, uh, you know, it changed the way uh-huh. everybody did business. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure you were in your basement doing recordings instead of being in a studio doing recordings. It's just yeah, technology yeah. has allowed that, and we've kind of you know this past year unfortunately been forced that way. So yeah, and and now I mean yeah, I had clients that like oh you're gonna book studio time right? Yeah, I will. And then I'm in my you know I'm on vacation in my car and and they aired it because they can't you can't tell the difference. If you yeah, it's amazing. So from a musician's point, you know in the '80s we were going in studios, spent a lot of money getting stuff cut same stuff we can do on our home computers now with you know that's right you spend a couple thousand dollars on some good mics and right. all the effects are built into the software you use it's just amazing totally that's amazing. right 
So, uh, talk a sad subject here a little bit. Uh, Kevin Burns uh, obviously passed away. Um, so, do you see the same passion with Prometheus to continue shows like Oak Island? You know, and the, the other one, everybody, they do Ancient Aliens as well, you know, and other shows. But do you see that same passion out there with them since Kevin's passed away? Oh, man. Oh, yeah, I mean... You know, I, I don't want to say more because that sounds like it wasn't there with Kevin. But, uh, you know, if you could imagine a situation of any business where the guy goes away, whether it's retirement or through a tragedy like this, where the man passes and the keys are handed to the to the people that were directly under him, that he was Understudies. in effect grooming, yeah. grooming to do this. I mean, the passion level's never been higher because they want to do it right. They want to do awesome. it, you know. Awesome. They want. They don't want this thing to end on their watch. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, no, I think yeah. He he he. There's a <laughs> fella named Joe Lassard. You see his name in the credits um, every episode. He he has is just, you know, we've become like brothers, and um, a lot of this kind of fell in his lap, and. It's such a great team, guys. I, when I tell you that, I'm, I'm honestly that, sincere. Like they are such a great awesome group, here. and so, it's in good hands with him. Yeah. So I, I want to go back. We were talking about Robert Clotworthy a little bit. I, I got to say, you and Robert both. So I reached out to both of you the same day. Huh. By eight o'clock the same night, I had responses from both of you, which huh. you know talks. You know, you guys don't know who the heck we are. We're a little podcast out in the middle of a cornfield in Indiana. And for <laughs> both of you to respond back, it just it shows the dedication you have to the show and for what you do. And, uh, you know, he's going to be on here in a couple weeks. And uh, it's just awesome that, you know, there's a lot of shows out there that you, con- you contact folks that are on. You never hear anything back. So... Well, I mean, that goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, and it's gratitude. I mean, it's like gratitude that I do this for a living. So I I would never – hey, look, I know what I could be doing for a living right now. You know, so, uh, you know, of course, yes. And I also got to say shout-out to Colleen, who does uh, my booking appearances, because it got a little crazy, and I started to kind of double-book myself. And um, so she (laughs) handles that. So so I got to tell you, so I reached out to you yesterday because I said, hey, I haven't anything back she gave us his dates so here are the emails the first email she sent back to me came through fine the rest of them ended up quarantined you know i don't know oh, if no. they had COVID or what was going on <laughs> so after you messaged me and said hey yeah we're all good to go so i go back into you know office 365 here's these yeah. messages from her saying yeah we're good to go and blah blah and then we're oh. quarantined so <laughs> Oh, no. What are they going, your uh, trash or something? No, they didn't even go. Because I checked my trash, which makes the whole thing makes no sense because the first one, when she responded back, came right through. Strange. Right. Yeah, Strange. So, but we were all good. So, you know, and yeah. once again, I reached out to you. I'm not going to tell everybody where I reached out to you, but you responded right back, and bam, yeah. we're all good well, to go. That's it. So let's talk about your new show a little bit, Beyond Oak Island. <laughs> yeah. So... How did that all become to be? Yeah, beyond, you know, it became, honestly, it came from people like you in a lot of ways, um, you guys, because what started to happen was the demand for more, you know, more content, uh, more stories, and and people started to approach every one of us on the team or, or anyone involved with the show and say, hey, I love Oak Island. 
I know of a story that is this. I have a treasure hunt that I know about that's this. And it got so overwhelming that, you know, I think Prometheus, of course, just saw the natural progression of like, well, these are stories we could tell, you know? Um, and so that's what happened. Well, I, I've watched a few of them already and, and there, are there going to be, I mean, I don't know if you're allowed to say, but are there going to be follow-ups to like the one gentleman they were looking in a, I think it was in a pond for a wagon of gold or something and yes. it kind of ended. I mean, are, are, is the plan to go back and kind of expand on different ones or are you allowed to say? <laughs> well, I, here's what I, here's what I am allowed to say. Uh, that is my plan. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Perfect. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause I mean, they were, I, and, and we've, we had Morgan's Raiders have, rode through here. I don't know if you ever heard of Morgan's Raiders, but um, they rode right through, well, within just a few miles of my house, and there's actually um, markers on the road where you can drive the path of Morgan's Raiders. So, after watching Oak Island and watching Beyond Oak Island, I started I started Googling, you know, what treasures could be in my area. So, that was one that popped up. So, I've done some reading and some research, and, and I, I'm curious, once this summer comes up, I'm going to do a little investigating to try to get a little closer to some of the areas where they camp because I read in um, where they raided certain towns and the towns were planning ahead and they'd give them gold and stuff just to get them out and uh, they and then turn got caught um, shortly past where we live and they had no bounty with them you know all the folds uh, the money they have gotten nothing was with them so where did it go you know it had to be left so the stories are it's buried in different encampments and they buried it in cast iron kettles you know shortly near their camp so i mean it, story seeing that story just kind of got my interest going and i think there's a lot of other people that have those same interests and you know just get to live if they don't get to do it themselves they get to live a little bit of the fantasy through the show so it's it's interesting I mean, what you just described is is like a perfect, and that's how it happens. Someone like you knows that history, starts investigating it, and all of a sudden it's a story that needs to be told. You know, I think that's phenomenal. And in fact, send me an email on that. On that. I was going to say we'll we'll get you the information on that. Okay, yeah, Please. we will. Yeah. So I would just say this also: if if you're a fan of Beyond Oak Island, I would be I would be I would be optimistic that there'll be more. See, that, that that was my next question. You know, do you see that show continuing? Once there is a conclusion, or if there is a conclusion to the curse of Oak Island, and it sounds like that answer is yes. Yeah, I think it's even, you know, not even related to whether Oak, you know, if they found the Ark of the Covenant tomorrow, um, you know, the, these stories on beyond are, gotcha. are could still be told, you know. So, you know, you just said the Ark of the Covenant. Did, is this something we need to know about? <laughs> I just threw an eyebrow up like, why would he say that? Yeah. You just got Reuben excited. He was asleep. Was like, why would he just say that? Okay. Yeah, it looked like one of those cuts from Curse Island when all the guys' heads jerk one way. Yeah. Like, what did he say? Could it be? <laughs> Could it be? <laughs> Let me do this then. Here's an edit. If they find the Ark of the Covenant or Shakespeare's manuscript or... Oh. or <laughs> Whatever they oh, awesome, awesome. Well, I, I think what we've talked about here just in the course of Oak Island 2, and f for me especially, because of the history. You know, so like they've said so many times, um, 
you know whether whether there's treasure still there or not something something amazing happened there from a historical sense um, so as that as that, as they keep peeling that onion back it's just more and more intriguing and then i think it goes to uh, the the after oak island the, you know the new show yeah. is for me again it's about history and especially history in this country and i think um to Dwayne's point about uh, you know morgan uh, morgan's, morgan's raiders, raiders um there's it's a story that not a lot of people know about yet yet it was it was part of our american history and there's so much of that out there and i think that's the intriguing thing for me is you guys are going out and kind of uh, for lack of a better term, digging it up and and mm. and exposing it to a broader audience to say, you know, there was some really compelling things that were, went on in this country over the course of the last couple hundred years. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, you bring up the history. It's really well said. What you just said, and and, and like, just think about. <laughs> So remember Marty's bar, like you mentioned, early seasons of the show, he used to always say to me, like, look, if I can find any clearly man-made works at any depth pre-Money Pit, then something happened here. Exactly. Well, that's happened how many times, guys? That's happened, yeah. what, yeah. a dozen times <laughs> yeah. now? Well, what's, like, what's even, you know, besides that, I loved him because he hated the swamp. He's, you know, yeah. done, you yes. know I'm done with the swamp, done with the swamp. Well, last year yeah. we realized... Hey, maybe there's something in the swamp. Something there. Right? Now we're like, holy cow, there's something in the swamp. Right. Did you hear him the other night do the little self-deprecating line where he said, I ah, yes. I've been telling you guys the swamp. Yeah. <laughs> That's where it's at. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so far on uh, Beyond Oak Island, what's been your favorite episode on mm. Beyond Oak Island? Mm, I can tell you. I, I guess I should, I should preface that by... The ones be, that's already been aired. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I, I, I think it'd be too hard to pick a favorite. I can tell you that meeting Christian Roper, the the young man who in Texas who's searching for that silver, was really awesome because he's you know basically half my age, right? And um, he's so smart and so passionate about these things. He's one of us, you know. He's a tr- he's a right. truth seeker, and so I really enjoyed that process. Um, the most exciting one in terms of kind of like where it really felt like oh my gosh what am i doing here it was uh the utah one with the with the uh knights of the golden circle right. i mean that stuff is that stuff yeah. is is uh really incredible and, and there was things that didn't make the air that were very strange and uh you know it, it, one thing that didn't make the air was i was i was i looked up and i saw what looked like i, I said is that a face like in the rocks and, and when we backed up from it, it looked like a huge uh, jack-o'-lantern staring down at us with like kind of kind of the, the round eyes of a, a jack-o'-lantern and kind of a triangle-shaped mouth and the nose, kind of just like grooved into this huge cliff face. And I said to Warren, the guy who wrote the book, I said, is that like a jack-o'-lantern? And he shows me this page that of all these jack-o'-lanterns carved into features throughout the American uh, self that the jack-o'-lantern was a sign from the Knights of the Gold and I'm going like now it could have just been a natural formation you right. know you don't you don't know for sure but I'm just right. going like after everything that had happened all day in those few days um, 
it just really gave me a spooky feeling like, you know, there might be something to this. And it might be still, what's scary about it is not that there might be something to it, because we know that they exist. There is something, yeah. Right. Is that, is that what's scary is that if, if, if there's still descendants still guarding this stuff, that's, that's kind of terrifying. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of goes back to the whole Oak Island thing, you know, Knights Templar. Uh, Freemasons, all that kind of, you know, if you do your Freemasonry history, you know, there's a lot there. Yep. Um, it, yeah. So, I, that's all I can say about Freemasonry at the moment. <laughs> yeah, now I really can't say anything. <laughs> yeah, now, now I'm bound, so, but there's a lot there, and, and the, it's amazing the history that most people don't know. Um, it's, it's just... It's mind-boggling, quite honestly. It's kind of hidden in same. Uh, it's kind of hidden in plain sight. Exactly, a too. exactly. Yeah. So I want to go on to. Uh, we told you this is going to last an hour over an hour. I'm sorry, it's okay. but man, it's you're okay. fun to talk to. I got to tell you. <laughs> you know, if you ever want to be the fifth member of Cross the Line 1524, you're perfect. Yeah, There's an extra spot at the you bar. Got an extra spot at the bar. There's and a you, mic and a headset already and, sitting there. You can have water. You can have bourbon. You have Kool-Aid. Does not matter. Hey. I, I love the Midwest, so if I'm ever there, I will look you guys oh, up. Oh, that'd be awesome. Fantastic. So we're going to talk about, I don't know, I think Jeff has uh, listened to, and I think Dwayne has too, uh, you're a co-host on a podcast that you're actually the, the man behind the podcast, P for Paranormal. Yes. So explain to our, you know, our listeners a little bit about your podcast. So yeah, it's called Rated P for Paranormal, and the... Uh, the, the idea of it was um, I'm really good friends with the, uh, I mentioned it before, Anthony Arkin he's he's son of Hollywood royalty and um, a really talented filmmaker and actor in his own right he, he had a recurring role in the Americans on FX and he's, and he's got a good first name his first yes, name he does. is Alan Arkin so. his, dad, <laughs> his dad was Alan Arkin yeah yes yeah. so um, you know he grew up on sets because of his dad's career you know um, and he he has a lifetime education in film so we're we're both into the paranormal and we're both paranormal experiencers so we used to have these you know lunches in new york city that are going just like this podcast hours of us talking about this stuff and uh so i was free i didn't have a podcast obligation at the time and so we decided to to do one together so what we do is we review a new film or television show each week but the film or television show has to be paranormally themed. Uh, and then we, we talk about how it portrays that aspect of the paranormal, be it Bigfoot, be it UFOs, be it ghosts, be it mystery, be it whatever. And uh, we rate and review it. And he kind of comes at it from the movie expert view, and I kind of come at it from my expertise, and we we then we uh, rate the movie. Well, that's awesome. So... Uh, the, your latest episode was about the exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh, yes. So has yes. everybody here seen that movie? No, no, not my kind. I know the story. I haven't. <laughs> so not my kind of thing. So what's? So I saw that movie several years ago. Freaked me out. So I'm not. Yeah. I personally am not. I think it's because my my faith. That's not the kind of movie I would normally watch. But gotcha. Uh, I watched it. Freaked me out a little bit. Um, so, I want Maddie to explain what happened to him when he watched that movie and where he was watching it. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny that episode. Uh, 
Tony, my partner, kind of eviscerated the movie. He tore it apart. He hated it. Yeah. And, uh, uh, as a as kind of for a lot of different reasons, but um, I had a really scary experience watching it uh, back in New York City. I was alone in a theater. I thought I was alone, <laughs> and um, three at some point. I never remember them coming in or anything, but at some point, three what I felt were teens um, were behind me and they were, you know, giggling and making noise and, and they started throwing stuff at me. So I was like, ah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, get in any trouble here by, you know, fighting three kids. So I just walked out and got a manager. I said, could you, could you kick these kids out of here? They're, they're causing trouble. I was literally alone in the theater besides them. And we walked back and they were gone. <clears throat> so I watched the rest of the movie it was towards the end of that point. And by the way, this was happening during the movie at like the scariest, uh, you know, exorcism part of the right, film. So it was right. very intense. It was, it felt awful. And um, I, I went, I went down to the subway and I opened up my bag. Everything was in my bag, but except for my cell phone, which was gone. And um, over the next few days, people in my life started getting really vile messages left on their on their phones on their you know so whoever these people were were leaving really terrible messages to people uh in my life and it just felt um it didn't it, it felt like i had been like i was being uh kind of played with spiritually you know yeah. yes, yes yes it felt like the gin or the um, that type of thing. We talked to an expert about it, and I said to him, <laughs> "I said to him, uh, can they manipulate things like steal phones?" And he just started laughing, and he proceeded to tell me anecdote after anecdote of people who experienced very similar things to what I did, and uh, you know, manipulated voicemails and stolen phones and stolen articles, and yeah. So it was it was a bad experience. So, okay, yeah. Wow. So wow. that that would. <laughs> <laughs> no movies for me in New York. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, Anthony tore the movie down because it was based on a true story. But what they don't say is, hey, the true story happened many, many years ago. It happened in Germany, and none, nothing that they, the theories that they applied and what happened may have happened, but not the way it was told in the current movie. You know, the right. current movie was about a. Um, girl that was in college you know it, it was it was set in current day it, yes what it did actually happen you know the priest actually got tried and the parents got tried uh yeah. so if you're into that kind of stuff it's the exorcism of emily rose so i there's very few movies like that that i watch so besides yeah. that is there any other times you get freaked out doing that podcast because some of those movies are freaky some of them are just fun so yeah exactly we've done everything from gremlins to that you know so it's, it's <laughs> yeah so i listen um, you know i listen backwards i, I found that podcast a couple weeks ago i listened backwards so you know you did the gremlins around christmas i, I mean to me that was just hilarious you know yeah. you know i grew up in the 80s and it's like oh yeah, yeah you know that was pretty cool <laughs> yeah yeah um I, there was one time you you heard it if you listened. Um, we were doing one of the witch movies. We did a we did a, a trio of witch yeah, movies. Yeah, and we're literally talking. Now I'm alone in my studio downstairs. I have a nice studio downstairs, but I'm alone in there. And I've got I've got it lit up with Christmas lights, so it's dark. With a blanket and over I, your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, 
we're talking and so he's he's in new york city and i'm here and so he's but he sounds like he's you know we use a a, a, a system where he sounds like he's in the room with me pretty right. much right it sounds just like he's right there right so he's coming through my headphones and i'm all alone down there we're talking about witches and spells and all of a sudden his cat starts going <laughs> in my ear so is that, that's his cat correct yes yeah yes. yeah so, yeah freaked me out because I was like where's this cat and we're literally talking about witches when it started and it wasn't meowing it was right yeah it was wailing it was wailing yes so no thank you (laughs) that was a little freaky so just so you know our little speakeasy is attached to the stone cellar on the original house so my family bought this house in the 1916 it was built pre civil war so it was like 19 18 30 or 40 we think it was built um, so there's some spirits around here. So we'll be down here during the podcast. The lights will dim. Uh, oh boy! We'll have, oh yeah! We'll oh, have lights. Is, yeah. We'll have lights upstairs in the kitchen that just go off. Then they'll come back oh. on. We heard voices last. So week. we had we had a paranormal investigation team come in as part of our podcast. And it, Love it. It was pretty interesting. You know, it's not they're not uh, not a mean spirit no. at all. Um, but um, they're there. They're there, you know. And I, you know, we're all, you know, we believe in God and and men of faith. So even if they were mean, we know how to take care of them. I guess. Yeah, I love <laughs> it. Yeah. Well, so, if it interests, yeah, and if it interests you, go check out our podcast. And then there's a the the people that did the investigation also did a video on it. And I was I was with them. They were started doing the podcast while I was in the back room with them. And I don't know what the what's the thing wall with a stick figure. It, SLS SLS we were in the back and it was going off and there was stuff there that I can't I was trying to disprove everything in my mind and it was pretty intense the things that were happening that I couldn't I couldn't prove why it wasn't so if you're interested go check it out and you see what see what you think I will. I love it. I love that stuff. So we originally told Maddie we'd be here an hour, so we're way over that. Uh, so I have one question I meant to ask earlier. Has your family been to Oak Island yet? No, unfortunately. Um, no. I, I, I'm so crazy when I go there. I think it's going to be one of those things where, it, it, you know, it might have to happen when it's when the dust settles. When it's you know, all, all said and yeah. done. Yeah. yeah, and it's kind of a, a – because when I'm there, man, I, I – you know it's just i am i'm you know they're they're 14 hour days like you know um right right when you got to wait till they clear the ark from the island to make sure it's yeah. safe too, right? exactly <laughs> yeah but it, it will definitely happen I, I will bring them there. so it was my a mother m- wanted to go and she uh she never made it so i definitely gotta, gotta yeah. bring my family yeah so it was amazing we talked to james a mcquiston who uh, of course has read yeah several books so I know he has several great stories about Rick and Marty and the whole island thing and how personable Rick is. So yes. I guess my last question is, is he as, you know, are they as personable as they appear on screen? They're actually better off because I think because, you know, again, it goes back to the old thing about them. They said no to the show originally. They, they, they are reluctant TV stars. Right. You know? Right. Um, so, I think when you, when you look, these are two guys who have been so great to me in every at every turn, and have just completely opened the doors to that island to me, um, so that you guys can get a little closer to the story. And th- these guys do charity works that no one knows about. Um, 
I've seen them both in the middle of the hottest day or coldest day in the middle of the effort of searching, like run away on their cell phone and call someone who's sick, who someone asked them to call, you know, because they're inspired by like, this, right. this is the type of guys they are. And, um, you know, I call them, <laughs> I call them Rick and Marty, like one word I spell that when I ever write, <laughs> I call them Rick and Marty right. because together they're, they're, they're different in a lot of ways. Um, but together what they've accomplished is just phenomenal. So I'm like, I just love them. Um, they're, they're both heroes of mine and, uh, I can't say enough good things about them. They're, they're better. They're, I think they're better off camera than they are on camera. That's great. Yeah, I think, awesome. I think from, from what I watch, they're, they're a perfect complement to each other. Uh, yeah. I mean, not just that they're brothers. It's just their differences match so well with this project. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's you know, Rick and his, his just inspiration and, uh, as you put it, faith, and then Marty – you know the science guy, the guy that wants the, yep. the wants to, to to be able to put his hands on on something and and understand it from a science standpoint. And I think that that they so complement each other, it, it really makes it work. Wicked, and you can have two different com- It's happened to me on the same day. I'll go have a forty-five minute intense conversation with Rick, and an hour intense one-on-one conversation with Marty, and they're both equally fascinating and about two totally different things right you know yeah. what i mean like it, yeah. it, it, it couldn't be more different of a conversation but both equally awesome you walk away going like oh he's so cool right, right. <laughs> that's awesome. right. Both that's of great them. yeah and i think that's that's part of the the uh, inclusion that everybody that watches the show feels they're they feel like they're part of the team you know yes. um feel like you could sit down and have a beer with them. I mean, uh, in a yep. simple rela- exactly. a simple explanation. You could I sit feel down like you'd go to the mug and anchor, sit down yep. at their table, right. have a couple beers. Right. Manny be drinking water next to you, and we'd be all good. <laughs> it's not always water. I figured as much. There it comes. So. I tell you what, Matty, we'd like to thank you uh, for taking time out. You know, I told him a half hour. No, I think we're about a half hour. I told him an hour. I think we're about a half hour over that. But it's it's been fun. And, and what I would hope maybe, you know, after this season's over, we can catch up a little bit and uh, talk about what was found or what's not found or, you know, how many truckloads of uh, Ark of the Covenant it took to get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, the season ain't over yet, and uh, hold on to your seats. Well, we can tell that. Every yeah, week. we're all excited. Ruben, you got another question? I do have a question, and uh, Maddie, you mentioned you lived in Massachusetts, right? Uh, I, I, that's where I was born and raised, yes. I'm, okay. I'm in uh, Rhode Island. Uh, okay, awesome. That's I've been through the area. My wife and I have traveled through the area, and we when we were in Nova Scotia, we came through uh, Massachusetts. And is there anything that you could tell us or me? that I should visit or see while I'm in your area in Rhode Island or Massachusetts when I come well, back through there. Yes, yes. As an Oak fan, you have to go see the Newport Tower. Newport Tower, which, okay. Which is a, uh, it's, it's crazy because it's just sitting in this little nondescript park, basically in the center of Newport. Um, you know, and you can tour the mansions and all that. It's beautiful. But the, the Newport Tower is a lot of people believe that it is it possibly could be templar and there are some weird stone anomalies in new england that people believe are templar and i've been there i live about 20 minutes from that tower 
and I go there on weekends with my wife and kid and I I've taken I've I've spoke to people about it, I've looked at it. It's it's definitely it's got something about it. It's Great. it's awesome. uh yeah, so check awesome. that out. Because we, sur- uh, we toured uh, Salem and, and that area, but I want to come back through that area again and look for things. To, so you uh, need to listen to out. his podcast when talking about witches. Salem. Okay, yeah, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. need to, yeah. We talk a lot about Salem. That's a yeah. great area. I love so, the area. So uh, before we sign yes. off here and before we go any further, yep. you cannot leave our podcast until you do your Nick Nolte impersonation. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> do you need to get in character? Get in character. Yeah, right. So this is um this was because Tony and I were talking about Cape Fear and uh so this was I do weird impressions, like bizarre ones that probably no one even recognizes. But so this is uh it's not even it's not even Nick Nolte, it's Nick Nolte in Cape Fear. In Cape Fear, yeah. Cape yeah exactly. Fear, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is every scene in Cape Fear where Nick Nolte is on the phone. <laughs> I just goddamn told you you could go and goddamn get out of the door, please. You can go and goddamn get out of <laughs> there you go. Oh, oh that's great. great. That that does it. That does it. <laughs> I have to go watch the movie again yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never watch it again the same way. You'll hear that now. That's so awesome. uh, for Cross the Line 1524, I'm here with Dwayne Bischoff, Jeff Montag, Ruben Hunt, and our friends at Table 12. Let's hear it from Table 12. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight. I'm Alan Stanger, and our special guest, Gary Drayton. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. You don't have no idea. So one of the ladies at Table 12, which happens to be my wife, is a huge Gary Drayton fan. So she has no idea what she just missed. She'll hear it here shortly, though. It's been a pleasure. With our special guest. Maddie Blake. Awesome. And we'll see you next time on Cross the Line 1524. Oh, what a fun, fun time we had with Maddie Blake on Cross the Line 1524. You can hear his passion for Oak Island as well as his podcast, Rated P for Paranormal. Check it out. It's a good time. Uh, And we want to once again thank him for being on the show. So if you've got any questions and comments for us, please drop us a line at podcast at crossthelinefifteentwenty-four.com or visit our webpage, www.crossthelinefifteentwenty-four.com, and you can leave a message there. Uh, you know, if you've got a subject you'd like us to talk about or somebody you'd like us to get on the podcast, let us know. So for Jeff Montag, Ruben Hunt, Dwayne Bischoff, I'm Alan Stanger, and you've been listening to Cross the Line. 